What's up, everybody? Anthony Presenta here with CincyJungle.com and the Orange and Black Insider Bengals podcast here, part of the Cincy Jungle Podcast Network. Happy to be with you on this Tuesday, right? Tuesday? Yeah. Last week was such a whirlwind, hard to hard to process, but happy to be with you, talking some Bengals, talking some AFC North, talking some NFL headlines in the aftermath of the NFL draft. A lot to sort through. A lot of teams happy with what they did over the weekend. Some fan bases may or may not be based on which which ones you speak to. Seems like the consensus of the Bengals side of things seem to be pretty, uh, pretty, pretty satisfied with what the Bengals did with their six picks. They actually made less picks than when they entered the weekend with because they moved up twice. So a um, little bit of surprise there, but we'll talk about some things with the draft. Some of the rumors that came out after the draft as it goes with the Cincinnati Bengals. We've got some sound bites from OTAs, which have begun this week. And then, of course, we're going to take a, a spin around the AFC North, get you caught up with what they did this weekend and other elements. And then, of course, a few headlines around the NFL. If you are new here, welcome. And you can always catch our live streams. We usually do this show either on Mondays or Tuesdays, kind of depending on the news cycle there. And what happened the the past weekend, week prior, that sort of thing. So it's usually Mondays or Tuesdays. We've been kind of keeping it pretty regularly on Tuesdays. So you can join us on Tuesday afternoons for the live show on the Happening Headlines show. Or you can catch it after the fact on one of your favorite audio streamers, whether that's iTunes, Stitcher, Spotify, Google Podcasts, iHeartRadio, any of the major ones. The Cincy Jungle Podcast channel is there. So you got to subscribe to that to get our show and the others on the Cincy Jungle Podcast channel. And then, of course, we have our YouTube channel. You may be watching us live there. There's a little icon right over there. You can click that to subscribe and the bell to be uh, notified when new content is available, when we're going live, all that kind of stuff. And we've got all kinds of stuff. We've been not doing as many live shows, but we've been popping up on the YouTube channel, at least a lot of different videos. We had a lot of great interviews. Daniel Jeremiah, Joel Klatt, Trey Wingo, David Shaw, all from the NFL Draft. We also spoke to Kyler Gordon and George Karloftis right before the NFL Draft as well. So that was kind of cool, all of that. And those videos are on YouTube there. And then, of course, um, all the rest of the stuff is on is on those audio platforms as well. So subscribe to both, get all kinds of different content, and hopefully you enjoy. We're going to get to it here. Let's get going with some a lot of these are going to come from cincyjungle.com the the headlines i will pan and here's usually what i do in case you are new here what i do is i if you're watching the video i pin the articles and or videos up for you to digest listen to all of that so you can kind of read that but i also do a little narrating too for you audio files out there who like the audio side of things so Hopefully, you're getting the gist of everything that I'm sharing with everybody here. All right. Let's just kind of recap. If you don't know by now, I don't know why you wouldn't, but this is the these are the results of the Bengals draft class right here. And I will pin this story in the live chats from Cincy Jungle's Facebook page and our YouTube channel. By the way, the Facebook page, also another route you can take to potentially join us either live or catch the video after the fact here. But this is these are the draft results that we are sharing with you here. I will scroll down. Here are the six picks right here. 
You got Daxton Hill, the safety slash corner out of Michigan, defensive back out of Michigan. You at pick 31, second round, pick 60, Cam Taylor Britt, corner, Nebraska. Round three, pick 95, Zachary Carter, the defensive lineman out of Florida. Round four, 136 overall, Cordell Volson, the offensive lineman out of North Dakota State. Played all four, it was saved for center, all four offensive line positions. It sounds like the Bengals have interior offensive line visions for him going forward here. Round five, pick 166, the athletic safety Tyson Anderson out of Toledo. And then round seven, pick 252, Jeffrey Gunter, the defensive end out of Coastal Carolina. Now the Bengals sacrificed one seventh round pick to move up to get Tyson Anderson. And then they also sacrificed their sixth round pick to move up three spots in the second round from 63 to 60 to get Cam Taylor Britt. So they had a uh, a total of eight picks going into the weekend. They ended with six because of those trades. Um, and, and, you know, two trade ups, you got to like that. Uh, and, and especially in the second round, that doesn't normally happen for the Bengals, especially trading up in general doesn't happen. So moving up in the second round, kind of exciting for a player that seems to be able to help them right away. And Taylor Britt and Daxton Hill, I would assume, has... I've said this a couple times on this show and in other spots. It seems that da- Daxton Hill's role, I would assume, initially will be kind of that Ricardo Allen role, maybe a, a few more reps at you know slot corner, that sort of thing. But um, I, I personally just see him being kind of that Ricardo Allen guy now that Allen went and retired, just kind of a movable chess piece on the defense that you can do a couple of different things with. And then, of course, depending on what happens at the safety positions, um, going into after after this season with Jesse Bates, his contract expiring, Von Bell, his contract expiring. You've got Brandon Wilson, his contract expiring. The Bengals had a lot of questions at the back end of their defense, and they grabbed three defensive backs in this class. So you gotta you gotta give them props at least for the foresight and the three defensive backs that the three defensive backs that they grabbed are Uber athletic. And if you check out the, if you're, uh, if you're subscribing to our YouTube channel, you can check out kind of the hype video there. We kind of do a little rundown of profile and some stats of all the picks there. It's about a five or six minute video. Go check that out. Hopefully you dig on that. But you can see the RAS profiles of all those players. Um, and, you know, the defensive backs in particular that they drafted are very, very high. So at any rate, that is your draft class for the Cincinnati Bengals and we got to get you the uh, undrafted free agent tracker here and before we do that I want to share this is from our friends over at all Bengals James Rapine Lindsey Patterson and all of the great uh, Blake Jewell all the great great contributors over there at all Bengals and I will pin this as well but Duke Tobin had a chat, I believe, and this is relayed from All Bengals on the podcast with Dan, uh, Dan Horton, Dave Lapham. Uh, and so you can see here on the Bengals Booth podcast here. Um, mechanically, it was, e- quote, this is the quote he said, mechanically, it was easy to do from my heart standpoint. It was very difficult to do because I hate to give up picks. Isn't that the truth? Tobin said on the Bengals Booth podcast. Quote, this draft fell at a point when we thought that we had a chance of getting knocked out of the box and having to drop down a level of player at our pick. And sometimes that conspires against you and you got to go get what you got to go get. 
We felt like we needed to go get that. And there's more on here from all Bengals. Go check out, give that a click, and also give the Bengals Booth podcast a listen as well. The point is, and we discussed this on our show, John Shearer and myself, last week, that this was a draft that you couldn't pigeonhole you know, 10, 12 draft picks into this roster, unlike the previous years with Zach Taylor. This was a this was a roster wherein you needed to have quality. Yeah, a lot of these players initially will be depth rotational players, of course, but that just speaks to where the roster is at coming off of the Super Bowl appearance as opposed to where it was when Zach Taylor inherited it. So this was, you know, them moving up and sacrificing picks and having less picks than, than which they started. That's okay because of where the roster is and where they felt that they could get more quality than just kind of quantity and just get some some guys to round out spots. They feel like they've got players that can come in and compete for snaps and and give them high quality depth right away. Instead of, you know, just kind of having some players, especially towards the end of day three that are just kind of bodies. So at that from that standpoint, I think that's a little bit of what Duke Tobin was was talking about in that interview with Dan Horn and Dave Lapham and appreciate all Bengals relaying those quotes to us. Go check out that article to get all the quotes and of course the podcast as well to hear the interview now let's keep it rolling you may or may not be totally caught up on this i believe this is at least mostly caught up here on cincyjungle.com this is the undrafted free agent tracker look at look at this list here Woo! this is a, a long list here and i will pin this in the live chats for you all as well to hopefully enjoy Cincinnati Bengals undrafted free agents 2022. You've got Wisconsin Badgers, and there are stories to all and or links to all of these players um, somewhere on on Cincy Jungle and other places. We we we've wrote a lot of stories on this, but Wisconsin Badgers Kendrick Pryor, he's a wide receiver. Florida Gators offensive guard Stuart Reese, they gave him a tryout. Um, Peru State cornerback. Delonte Hood, Florida State tight end, Jordan Wilson. Bengals did order, uh, add another tight end there. Miami of Ohio wide receiver, Jack Sorensen. Um, Colorado Buffaloes linebacker, Carson Wells. Intriguing player there. Bengals did not go with a linebacker after going with three of them in the 2020 draft. They did not go with a linebacker in this year's class, so they'll try and get some some more depth there. Carson Wells is an intriguing player there. Florida Atlantic Owls offensive guard Desmond Noel. Um, University of Texas San Antonio linebacker Clarence Hicks, another, another linebacker there. So the Bengals were all over Coastal Carolina here. You'll see a couple they brought in Isaiah Likely, and we'll tell you where he ended up in just a little bit. They brought in Isaiah Likely, the tight end out of Coastal Carolina, for um, or they had a pre-draft visit or pre-draft interview with him. They had some interest there, and so they didn't get him, but they brought in Coastal Carolina running back Shamari Jones, really intriguing player there, as well as Coastal Carolina wide receiver Javon uh, Heli. Hopefully I'm saying that correctly as well. So a couple, they were all about the Coastal Carolina folks there uh, this year. So a um, couple of offensive skill position players there. You've got this. Now this kid right here, Ole Miss offensive lineman Ben Brown, a lot of folks thought he would be drafted on day three. A guy who can uh, give you some versatility on the offensive line, probably going to vie for a backup offensive line position right away. This could be one of those guys that ends up making the final roster. Would not be a surprise there. 
A lot of people like him. Uh, the long slap, uh, long snapper from Pitt, Cal Adamitis. Uh, I mentioned Javon Heli, the Coastal Carolina wide receiver, Kentucky tight end, Justin Rigg, Kansas wide receiver, Kwame, Kwame Lasseter, the second uh, Georgia Tech Yellow Jackets offensive tackle, Devin Cochran, um, Ole Miss defensive lineman, Tariquius Tisdale. Hopefully I'm saying that one correctly as well. And then Washington Hus Huskies defensive back, Brendan Radley Hiles. Now looking at the last player there, um, the Huskies have brought out a number of great corners and defensive backs of late. Unfortunately, Radley Hiles, he, um, his RAS profile is very, very low. If I remember correctly, he's kind of a smaller guy. So um, interesting to see how he may fit in there. I mean, but if you look at, you go back and look at, and we'll talk about this guy later, Troy Hill, a guy who started with the Cincinnati Bengals, um, really has made a nice career for himself. A guy who was a good player in the Pac-12 with Oregon, and, but was on the smaller side and ended up making a nice career for himself. So maybe something is uh, in, in the works here for uh, Radley Hiles with the Bengals. We'll see. But again, that is your undrafted free agent list. This has been rounded out over the past 24, 48 hours plus here with some new additions based on, um, you know, if you're paying attention to things Saturday, Sunday, et cetera, this has been updated quite a bit. So that this is pretty updated here. And I pinned the link in Cincy Jungle uh, from Cincy Jungle in the live chats there. So hopefully you go check that out. Some intriguing names. I'm uh, definitely intrigued by the offensive lineman at Old Miss there. That's a uh, that's that's a guy I'm looking at for sure. Now going into, I mean, we've talked about grades and different things with the Cincinnati Bengals draft class, other teams' draft classes as well. But one scout seems to think that Daxton Hill, the Bengals' first round pick, will be quote the best Michigan defensive back since Charles Woodson, and that is saying something. The Bengals had another pretty good one in Leon Hall. Obviously, Woodson, a guy that played corner, played safety, and had a Hall of Fame career in the NFL, had some great seasons with the Raiders, and then towards the end of that stint kind of had some injuries and wasn't on the field as often. Then he went to the Packers and had, you know, kind of a nice, a really nice career renaissance with them and obviously had a Hall of Fame career. And then you look here, this is from a scout from The Athletics, Dane Brugler's article, and here's the quote. The appeal with Hill is his versatility to play anywhere in the secondary. He can attach himself to slot receivers as a nickel, play more of a two-safety look, and he could realistically line up outside with his above-average athleticism. One scout told me that Hill will be the best defensive back out of Michigan since Charles Wood Woodson, and it is hard to disagree. So Dane Brugler, draft expert, also agrees with the assessment there. So um, you can see here 18 years did Woodson have in the NFL – and one of the best defensive backs ever, and a very versatile one. And you can see maybe where Hill fits into that mold. Obviously, got to stay healthy. That is immense, immense praise without playing an NFL snap. But you know, you got to you got to like the the idea of that on paper. And hopefully, the Bengals got themselves a shining star here at the back end of the first round. Sure, looks like it. A guy that they can use in a variety of different roles. And the good news is with him, I kind of feel like even though he'll probably get a good amount of snaps early on, it's not like they're rushing him into this. I, I don't see them rushing them, rushing him right away into this uber prominent role where they're just, you know, he's on an Island all the time and it's just him, him, him. I mean, it, and they're uh, with that, the roster and the defense 
seems to be in a much better place than it was a, a couple of years ago as well. So, you know, the pressure kind of comes off of Hill and he can kind of play a little, play loose and uh, play a little bit of his brand of football as well as Luana Rumo's brand of football, it would seem. So you got to like all of that. That is definitely high praise. Now, this one was maybe a little bit of a shocker for folks as well as we keep rolling on. This is on CincyJungle.com. The Bengals were interested in drafting a punter with their fourth round pick per report. Darren Simmons was trying to impose his will as he uh, usually does on day three. So this is from Glenn Clark. Quote, the punter became a really interesting pick. At 133, Tampa took the Georgia punter. I found out later that Cincy at 137 was interested in taking a punter. One GM said he was going to try and trade for Ravens pick at 139 to take Stout. So it's, and this is from Peter King talking about the Ravens here. Uh, there were some interesting chess matches a bit on uh, within the AFC North, it would seem. And Peter King kind of divulged some of that in terms of draft picks that went maybe one pick ahead, that sort of thing. Um, you could see here Jordan Stout from Penn State went uh, to the um, to the Ravens, and then three picks later, Jake Carmardo went to the Bucks at 133. Um, so with that being in mind with, I don't know if that, you know, kind of played into the Bengals going a different direction with Cordell Volson. Um, but, you know, you can see here fifth round is usually when the Bengals invest in specialists, Evan McPherson, Jake Elliott, and Kevin Huber, more on him in a second or fifth round selection. So I don't know, this might've been a little too high for their blood. It might've been, you know, one of these two guys or somebody else we'll see. And they just had Volson rated higher at that point based on how the board fell. But kind of interesting that the Bengals were going to go potentially with a punter that high. Obviously, there was a vacancy with the the specialists there on the Bengals special teams unit. But do not fret because the Cincinnati Bengals have re-signed Kevin Huber, their punter. He is back. He is back. And here is the link for those of you tuning in live and or after the fact in the Facebook and YouTube chats. He resigned with the Bengals on a one-year deal. The team announced it yesterday on Monday. And so, again, the Bengals wanted a punter potentially to, to grab one as early as the fourth round. They didn't do that. And obviously, I think also with the team forfeiting picks in trades and not having extra picks on day three. Maybe that's also why they didn't draft another punter, a different punter. So it, it is his fourth, 14th year. Um, it seemed as if Huber lost a little bit of oomph to his kicks late in the season, but the Bengals were playing in some pretty, aside from, you know, the Super Bowl being in an indoor kind of venue there, the, the Bengals were playing in some pretty rough, uh, weather towards the end and venues towards the end of the year. They were talking Kansas city. We're talking Tennessee, their own game in Cincinnati was a cold one that when they hosted the Raiders. So, um, you know, I, at this point, you know, you, you kind of figure, you know, how much, how much has he got left? Uh, or was it just some of the weather issues, venue issues late last season that maybe caused a few struggles towards the end of the year there, but still Kevin Huber, one of the best, 
Bengals, longest tenured Bengals in, in team history and a guy who's been a great teammate and done a lot of good things for the Bengals there. So at, at any rate, again, you, you go back to him being a fifth round pick 2009, 2009 is when Huber was, was uh, drafted by the Bengals and he did have a pro bowl selection in 2014. I'm trying to remember if that was the year where he broke his jaw or not. Um, you know, the Steelers player kind of did a little bit of a cheap shot there and ended up breaking his jaw. I don't know if that was that same season or not, regardless. Um, he's going to he's gonna compete with the never-go-away guy in Drew Chrisman. That guy has bounced on and off the practice squad and, and training camp and all kinds. They're they're gonna they're gonna compete and they like Drew Chrisman. Um, I don't know how much they like him if they really were thinking about grabbing a punter in the fourth round. But regardless, Huber is back on a one year deal. Chrisman is there to compete with him, and that seems to be the direction the Bengals will be heading this year um, on the special teams front. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Now, OTAs are underway right after the NFL draft. Guys are reporting to Paul Brown Stadium. And one guy who is never short on quotes and thoughts and a, a, one of my favorite players, just not shying away with saying that. I've said that a couple times on this show. I, I love this guy, Mike Hilton. Um, they are out to prove that the Bengals 21 season wasn't a fluke. Now, I would encourage you to go watch a shameless, shameless self-promotion time here. I would encourage you to go listen to the interview I had with Trey Wingo at the Caesar Sportsbook. That is on our YouTube channel. The audio was also on one of our draft recap shows. Um, he talked about the Bengals. He kind of mentioned the the word fluke. I don't think that sat well with a lot of people, but he also talked about how good of a team they have. So uh, I, I just a very entertaining interview, and it wasn't because of me. So <laughs> go check out that interview with Trey Wingo. Um, it's about 10 to 12 minutes or something. A lot of fun. Sat down, talked about betting, talked about the Bengals, the AFC, all kinds of different things. But he did talk about, you know, that fluky-ish run is how he put it um, through the AFC conference playoffs. So the Bengals are out to prove that it, it, it was not a fluke. And this is on Cincy Jungle. I think I pinned that there. Here is the quote from Mike Hilton. Let's see here. Because it's the Bengals point blank period um, was the quote. When you think of the Bengals, you're like, oh, the Bengals, you know, but now with this group of guys that we have and the coaches that we have, we're really turning this organization around and we're just trying to get the respect we deserve. I can't tell you how many times in covering the Bengals since my time at Cincy Jungle and SB Nation and looking at all kinds of power rankings over the weeks and years and all that kind of stuff, how many times when people would talk about the Bengals and say, well, hey, they've got a pretty good roster, even in the Andy Dalton era and the Carson Palmer era, you know. 
they've got a pretty good roster. Yeah, but it's the Bengals. They just don't they just don't come up in the clutch. Well, now that has changed quite a bit based on their run last year, getting that pl- elusive playoff win off their back and making the Super Bowl for the first time since 1988. So they are now poised to potentially make this a, a little dynasty here. And Mike Hilton is trying to say, hey, they're still sleeping on us. And we are here to prove that we are here to stay as a team in the AFC. So good on him and an interesting quote by Mike Hilton. By the way, Mike Hilton will continue on here with this. Here is a brief, uh, I'll share this briefly from, again, the great folks over at All Bengals. Jesse Bates is not in town for OTAs. This is pretty expected at this point. Um, So Jesse Bates not in Cincinnati for the workouts. And obviously he's on the franchise tag. That's probably for many of us something that was very expected given his contract status. We haven't heard anything about him being disgruntled about the team drafting three defensive backs with their six picks this weekend. But, you know, uh, at the same time, I think I there was some some sharing of his social media that showed him working out in Florida and taking in some beach time and all that kind of stuff. So he is not going to be at workout team workouts, probably. Well, he's not there now, but I, I presumably not going to be there for future ones wherein it is not contractually obligated. So I think that he's going to, you know, sit a lot of this stuff out and we'll see how this progresses or devolves, I guess. Again, the team that the team and Jesse Bates camp have been in contract talks since last year. And they kind of were slow with it last spring and they were talking and Jesse Bates was the guy who was rallying everybody to come to the OTAs after a poor season. And we got to write the ship. We got to do this thing together, all of that. And you like all of that. And then in the summer, they were readdressing things, readdressing the contract talks, and they just couldn't make it work. Things slowed down throughout the whole year. And then, of course, they tried to do it again late winter after the season and before free agency began. And it just uh, went to the franchise tag route, which was pretty predictable. And then now they're trying to work still presumably trying to work on a long-term deal, but not looking promising at this point in time, not only because there just hasn't been a lot of momentum or news on it, but also because of where the Bengals went in the draft, you would, you would kind of assume that these are contingency plans of some sort in place here. So We'll see. Again, I don't think every, anybody's really surprised by this. I don't think anyone should really have a problem too much with Jesse Bates being there. I mean, I think, of course, you would like to see that, you know, as many players there as possible. But, um, again, it's kind of expected. And the last thing you would want is some sort of fluky injury on something from a player, a star player on a franchise deal. Not what you would want. Continuing on with that, and, again, that article, I, I believe I pinned it, was courtesy of all Bengals. I'm going to play a couple of uh, – tidbits here well i'll play one tidbit i won't play this one this is i'll just show you the tweet here and you got to go follow at uh trags t-r-a-g-s mike petralia who covers the Bengals. uh beat writer does a great job so he he just relays here mike hilton says everyone in the Bengals locker room wants quote cornerstone jesse bates resigned and he talked about how you know he, he that that's something he echoed from 
late last year where he's saying, you know, sign, re-sign Jesse Bates, re-sign Jesse Bates. Remember, he, he did that kind of stuff at press conferences and stuff. So, um, yeah, you know, he's kind of echoing, I guess, what a lot of people feel in that locker room, that they want Jesse Bates re-signed to this team, to a long-term deal. We'll see, you know, which which direction that goes. And if those two camps can kind of come together and create a long-term deal, not sure if they'll be able to. But go again, go follow Mike Petralia at T-R-A-G-S on Twitter. He's a friend of the show. He's been a guy who has been on our program and was was great when he was on it. And we we appreciate him and the coverage he provides as one of the Bengals beat coverage folks. All right. Now, one of the other storylines, unfortunately, with the Bengals, one player is present, but he's not able to participate, and that is star rising star linebacker Logan Wilson. And he tore a labrum late in the year, sat out a few weeks, but came back and played pretty well in the postseason and down the stretch there. Uh, he shared an update on the shoulder injury, um, basically just – he's kind of sitting sitting this stuff out here but again via ben baby another great uh beat writer for the for the Bengals and friend of this show ben baby of espn he did have surgery to repair that torn labrum uh, affected his range of motion laura fowler another great coverage uh media coverage person for the cincinnati Bengals. he's not going to be participating in the off-season workouts while he is still recovering, expects to be back for training camp, and that's probably the timeline there. And, of course, the Bengals have been very diligent keeping on players' injuries when they get nicked up in practice, all that kind of stuff. And that's a big reason why they were able to largely remain healthy later in the year and keep the core players intact. They did proper resting and all kinds of different stuff throughout the, the regular season. So, Logan Wilson, unfortunately, had a pretty pretty bad uh, situation there. I think T. Higgins probably had a similar situation. You saw him in a sling at the Reds opening day game. So, um, you know, those guys are, are healing up there. And you know, I think, you know, by the time training camp rolls around, you're going to see full go from a lot of these players that we're talking about. I want to share this here. This, again, is from Mike Petralia. This is Zach Taylor talking about character. And this is... Not only the guys talking about character that they have in their current locker room, but also how they're adding to that with this most recent draft class. When you look at the profiles of these recent draftees, you can see academic All-Americans or you know high academic backgrounds, team captain backgrounds, and these are staples of the Zach Taylor vision and Zach Taylor roster construction. So. Here is Mike Petralia relaying a quote from Zach Taylor. I will play the audio on this one because I thought it was something that definitely was worthwhile. So here this is. This is Zach Taylor talking about character and how the Bengals evaluate that. Well, so so many coaches from your college and the pros will tell you how important character is. Trump, uh, talent trumps character in those situations about 100% of the time, don't you think? No, I, I think the character is what's carried us to this point also. You know, is, um, 
know, you can have a lot of talented individuals in your locker room that maybe don't love football. They're talented, so they play because they're supposed to. And it's gotten this far. Um, but, but we want guys that love football, love the process, love being around the teammates. And so that, that matters to us. And I think that, again, we've got a lot of those types of guys in our locker room. So kudos to Mike Petralia for relaying that great quote. Again, go follow him and go check out that video clip for yourself on his Twitter account. But hopefully you could hear that. It was a little quiet. I tried to boost the audio there a little bit. But at any rate, good stuff there on the uh, on from Mike Petralia covering the Bengals and some good questions there. I would encourage that you follow Ben Baby, you follow Mike Petralia, you follow James P, you follow all of those great beat writers that are um, covering the Cincinnati Bengals. I mentioned a bunch of others already so far. So many, many great folks covering the Cincinnati Bengals. Go follow them. They do have other videos and other snippets that they are sharing on their Twitter accounts. So please go check those out. Can't emphasize that enough, but I thought that was pretty, a pretty profound statement there by, by Zach Taylor. And I think a lot of that resonated well with a lot of Bengals fans. Quickly here, I want to give, and, and we're going to transition into AFC North and the NFL, but before we do, these are the, this is a on NFL.com, courtesy of Greg Rosenthal here, and I'm going to pin that. This is the top 101 free agents of 22, and then of course, this is updated here. Um, so you look at some of the best free agents available now. After the draft and this list, I believe, is largely updated. So, you know, you can look at a lot of the, you see Gronk, who knows what's going on there. And uh, Akeem Hicks, that's a name that some folks are kicking around from Bengals camp here uh, in terms of an interior defensive lineman. The Bengals did not get one uh, until the third round with, with Zachary Carter there. And we'll see exactly what happens with him. He has played edge. He has played three tech. So they're going to move him around a little bit, but they don't have Larry Ogunjobi back. And then there are some others here on here. J.C. Treader, another center. Does do the Bengals go to, go that route without grabbing a player there uh, and move Karras then at that point? Who knows? But there are some others out here, and I just want to give folks an idea, give you that link to go check out some of the names that could be on the Bengals' possible radar. Because here's the thing, and we'll talk about this a little bit more tomorrow. Here's the thing, though. There, there is another wave of free agency coming. There's that initial push where it's rush, rush, rush the first couple of days and frenzy, frenzy, frenzy. After that, there's kind of that, okay, the market settles a little bit. There's like the second tier or, hey, let's, you know, some of these guys that will still get some decent deals out there that just weren't the star, you know, the star hot, hot, hot commodities. So you get some still some quality players there, and then things die down a little bit there, and then maybe you get kind of those rental deals, one-year deals as you start to enter the draft. And then there's yet another period of free agency where now some of these veterans who are hanging out there, the teams reassess where things are after OTAs. They reassess things after their rookie classes come in and everything, and they say, okay, we need to bolster here, we need to bolster here, whatever the case may be. And, and go that route. So that's why I wanted to share the best available free agents, at least from that standpoint. All right, let's continue on and go towards the AFC North. I'm going to update you on their respective draft classes and some of the news and notes coming out from within the division on a couple of different fronts because there's some interesting stuff coming out of there. And let's start with the Pittsburgh Steelers who had one of the more intriguing weekends in the draft. 
They had they drafted their quarterback of the future, presumably, and Kenny Pickett with the 20th overall pick. That has come with some scrutiny. Obviously, a kid who brought a lot of excitement at the college level, the small hands and other other situations, um, kind of just a weak quarterback class in general. Um, not saying, not trying to slight this kid, but just in general, obviously, uh, he he was the, the first guy off the board there. Was it going to be Malik Willis? Was it going to be the local kid? And Pickett, they went with the local kid. So he is a guy who's going to be their quarterback of the future with Ben Roethlisberger retiring. We'll see if he's going to immediately step in. Unfortunately, we know the tragedy that happened with Dwayne Haskins. You know, was he going to be in the mix there? They brought in Mitchell Trubisky. Um, he presumably is going to be their starter at this point. Uh, they traded away Joshua Dobbs. I think we covered that a couple of weeks ago. Um, so, you know, he Pickett here is now uh, the guy of the future. And then you got Pickett and then you got Pickens. George Pickens, the wide receiver out of Georgia. This is what I don't understand. And maybe it's just a Steelers fan mindset. I don't know. If you go on Twitter, the hype videos that some of these fans are creating, there's like a 35-second video out there. One of the clips is a catch, and the rest of him is like basically brawling on the field with other players. One catch and like four or five different brawls. I don't get it. Maybe that's just to show the tenacity, whatever. Regardless, talented guy. We know there's uh, there were some rumblings about you know how he interviewed and all kinds of different things, but talented guy, George Pickens wide receiver he's going to go to um, you know a pretty pretty decent wide receiver group at the Steelers there pick 52 you've got DeMarvin Leal the defensive lineman in round three good pick for them there Calvin Austin a guy I personally really liked small diminutive wide receiver but incredibly fast incredibly shifty and incredibly versatile a guy I really really liked round four pick 138 Connor Hayward, the tight end fullback out of Michigan State. Uh, obviously, the, the younger brother of Cam Hayward. Quite, quite a bit of an age difference there, but he is their guy in round six. Round seven, Mark Robinson, the linebacker out of Ole Miss. And in round seven, um, again, 241, Chris Oladokun. So hopefully I said that right. The uh, Another quarterback there. And I, th- I believe that was a quarterback that the Bengals were showing some interest in, pre-draft interest as well. So um, those are your Steelers draft picks. The Steelers have also brought in a guy who's had a little bit of an up-and-down career, DeMonte Kazee, defensive back on a one-year contract. He's a six-year guy playing. Uh, he did play with the Atlanta Falcons uh, did play last year with the Cowboys. He was an unrestricted free agent. Uh, did have two forced fumbles, two interceptions, and four passes defended. And so um, a guy that's just kind of scrappy, and he's around the ball a lot, and he's an aggressive player. I liked him. I remember I liked him a bit coming out of college, DeMonte Kazee, but he is now with the Pittsburgh Steelers per Steelers.com. So they have added him to the mix as well as all of those draft picks there so um at any rate the that's kind of the latest a bit with the pittsburgh steelers and updating you on their draft class and what they did over the weekend now here are the baltimore ravens picks you can see here round they did some work in the first three three to four rounds and there's a lot to like a lot of big names in this class but 
There are also some concerns about what they have or don't have at wide receiver, trading away Hollywood Brown over the weekend. Kyle Hamilton, the pick at 14. Bengals fan favorite Tyler Linderbaum, the center at pick 25. Then you've got David Ajabo, talented, talented player, but obviously coming trying to come back from that Achilles injury. So he is the edge player in round two. Round three, Travis Jones, another player that a lot of Bengals fans liked and Bengals Twitter really liked. Travis Jones, the interior defensive lineman from Connecticut. Then you've got Daniel Falele, the absolutely massive tackle from Minnesota. Daniel Jeremiah Compton to Orlando Brown Jr., so that makes a lot of sense there. Then you've got Jalen Armour Davis, um, the, the corner out of Alabama. Charlie Kohler, interesting tight end. That was one I was wondering if the Bengals were going to look at there. Then you've got the punter, Jordan Stout. We mentioned him out of Penn State. The tight end again, Coastal Carolina, Isaiah Likely. I mentioned his name earlier. That was a guy the Bengals had some pre-draft interest in as well. Then you've got Demarion Williams, the corner out of Houston. So getting some corners and tight ends late. So while they didn't get the wide receiver early, they did get some tight ends to help Lamar Jackson there. Tyler Beatty, the running back out of Missouri in round six, that was the final pick there. So that is your Baltimore Ravens draft class. Now, as you look here, this is from Baltimore Beatdown. And this is interesting here. The Ravens 22, and this is from Josh Reed on Baltimore Beatdown, the SB Nation Ravens website here. I will pick that. Uh, I will pin that in the live chats. Ravens 22 draft suggests a desire to return to the 2019 offensive blueprint. Um, they bolstered their offensive line. They bolstered tight ends. They are getting back to physical, physical, physical play, likely trying to run the ball and doing a lot of different things and, and, using the dynamic nature of Lamar Jackson, but they, if you went back and I won't go through this entire article, but it goes and kind of does some, some history a little bit in terms of what they did in 2019. And then it relates it to this year's draft class and what the Bengals or excuse me, what the Ravens are trying to do here. So, um, you know, uh, here's Robert Griffin, the third former a tweet from him. Former Raven here, the Baltimore Ravens offense was most dangerous with the four-headed monster of Mark Andrews, Hayden Hurst, by the way, with the Bengals now, uh, Nick Boyle, and Pat Richard in 2019. They're trying to get that formula back by drafting tight ends Charlie Kohler and Isaiah Likely. There you go. That kind of sums it up pretty well from Robert Griffin. And, of course, um, that entire article can be found on Baltimore Beatdown. An interesting read if you're looking to take a peek behind a rival's curtain interesting stuff there. All right. Well, someone had said here, I didn't pay attention to the Browns draft at all. Well, let me help you out with that because I will show you what the Browns did and tell you what the Browns did with their picks. This is, uh, this is a, I, I'm not going to go into this super in depth, but this is a really cool piece here on Browns.com, clevelandbrowns.com uh, by Anthony Poisel. And this is a position by position analysis following the 22 NFL draft. So when you see here, now the thing with them is they um, they did not draft until later in in the the class here. So I'm, I won't spend a ton of time on this. You can see here that you know obviously they brought in Amari Cooper. This is kind of running down the wide receiver, the, the excuse me the roster after their draft picks. You can see here drafted David Bell and Michael Woods the second and you know who they did they draft to these positions? What did they get? 
you know, drafted Dawson Deaton and all that. So check that out. Kind of a cool rundown on their roster analysis. And again, here is the Browns draft tracker courtesy of Dogs by Nature on the SB Nation network. I will pin that as well in the live chats for folks. Here it is, Cleveland Browns NFL draft picks tracker. And you can see here, they got they had to wait. They had to wait a little bit. Uh, round three, number 68 overall, cornerback Martin Emerson. Round three, number 78 overall, uh, edge Alex Wright. Round three, number 99 overall, wide receiver David Bell out of Purdue. A lot of, a lot of people liked him. A lot of people liked him. Um, day three picks on Saturday. This was a good one for them and one that we we actually mocked Winfrey to the Bengals at the back end of, of the second when we did our um, our mock before the, the weekend there. And our rationale with that is it was a borderline third-round pick, and the Bengals had shown interest pre-draft interest in Winfrey. But Winfrey went a lot later than I think a lot of folks thought. A lot of folks thought he was going to be a second-rounder, maybe third-rounder, and there he went round four to the Cleveland Browns. So they got Perry and Winfrey. Uh, I think the concerns there are centered around run defense. And then, of course, they got a kicker in round four, Cade York out of LSU. Got a big leg, uh, and he was the top-ranked kicker uh, from consensus opinions in this year's class. So uh, they have had some kicking issues in Cleveland, and they've kind of gone round and round with that. Round five, number 156 overall, Jerome Ford, the running back out of Cincinnati. They grabbed him. Round six, number 202 overall, Michael Woods out of Oklahoma, the wide receiver. Round seven, number 223 overall, Isaiah Thomas out of Oklahoma. And they got interior uh, offensive lineman Dawson Deaton out of Texas Tech in round seven at the end there. So a couple wide receiver skill positions, couple special, uh, one special teamer, um, and some other defensive linemen there. So We'll see how that shakes shakes out for them. They had to wait a bit before they started picking this weekend. Not along NFL draft lines with the Cleveland Browns, but I found this to be an interesting story nevertheless because it involves Hugh Jackson, former Bengals assistant coach, and of course, former Cleveland Browns head coach. And there are claims that Hugh Jackson and the Cleveland Browns intentionally tanked games with incentives, financial incentives and whatnot to intentionally lose games in order to reset things, reset the roster, all of that. But an independent investigation by the end of NFL's finds, quote, no evidence that the Browns tanked games. So there is that. I don't I won't go into a ton of detail on this one, but go check that out on Dogs by Nature and other sources here. This is a tweet from Adams, Adam Schefter. Uh, and this I, I did receive this same email here uh, talking about the independent review, but essentially here, here's a little bit of the the quote following a 60 day independent review into comments made by former Cleveland head coach, Hugh Jackson, that the Browns paid or otherwise provided incentives to lose games during the 2016, 2017 seasons, former U S attorney and sec chair, Mary Jo white and a team of lawyers from the Debevoise firm determined that none of the allegations could be substantiated. The investigation found no evidence to suggest that the Browns four-year plan or the club's ownership or football personnel sought to lose or incentivize losses and made no decisions deliberately to weaken the team to secure a more favorable draft position. 
So there's all of that and uh, a lot to digest there. Go, go read about that. And there's a lot of backstory to that. And so Hugh Jackson and the Browns not found at fault for potentially incentivizing losing and or intentionally tanking games to better their draft stock and rebuild their roster in the way that they, they wanted. So interesting story there. Okay. This is kind of a Browns slash bridge story to the NFL. And this is Troy Hill and Troy Hill, former Bengals corner. I actually, I remember interviewing him years ago at the NFL PA bowl. Uh, he was with the Bengals. Then he went and had himself a pretty good career with the LA Rams. And then he went to the Browns. So he was with, with Cleveland. And then through this weekend, they went to, they went back and he, they traded him to the Rams for a fifth round pick to bring him back. And he on Monday admitted that he missed the Rams. And he said, that, you know, it was a little tough on the other end too, Hill said Monday, because it was like that always could have, should have, would have type of things. And he would have had, it could have, could have had a Super Bowl ring, but did not because he was with Cleveland this past year, but he goes back now for a fifth round pick to the LA Rams. Again, I, I go back to what I was saying earlier, kind of a smaller corner who has made a pretty good career for himself. And he definitely has a home in LA. They have a good, um, a good rapport there and he really likes what what he was doing and you know here's an interesting quote too when i was in cleveland i always found myself trying to compare things to how it was done over here in la i don't know if it was just me trying to compare as far as this is what a winning program does or if it was just missing everything that was happening over here Hmm. so interesting quotes there troy hill back with the la rams from the cleveland browns Big news that also came out, and we're going to start closing up shop here in just a couple minutes. Big news that also came out here on the NFL front. The NFL suspended Cardinals wide receiver DeAndre Hopkins six games for violating a, the PED policy. So they, okay, this is this was interesting because I think it was his agent who said he had a negative test in October a positive test with trace amounts in November. And that's where this violation is stemming from. And then he was negative again in December. That's according to his agent, I believe. So his representation that was talking about it. So there, I don't know if they, obviously I think they may try and appeal this and everything, but um, suspended without pay for the first six games of the 22 regular season. Obviously that hurts the Cardinals quite a bit. Um, he is eligible to participate in all preseason practices and games. So he just said he was confused and shocked. He's, you know, never tested positive for any kind of performance enhancing drugs, very keenly aware of what goes in and out, you know, uh, all kinds of stuff. Right. Um, yeah, I'm very mindful of what I put in my body and I've always taken a holistic approach So I'm with my team. Okay. So we've, we've heard that before. Um, so I think there's going to be a an appeal, and we'll see exactly what, what happens there. But then when you look at Arizona bringing in Marquise Brown, Hollywood Brown, as I mentioned, in the trade during the first round, maybe that was as a windfall for this potential loss here. We'll see. Um, and then, of course, there's, you know, they also lost Christian Kirk, who signed a 
crazy deal. I believe it was with Jacksonville. Um, crazy deal there. So uh, they're they're hurting a little bit there. So we'll see what happens. But DeAndre Hopkins suspended for the first six games of the season here as it currently stands. Probably going to, I would assume, appeal that going forward. Let's let's see. Let's go here. Atlanta Falcons signing Grady Jarrett to a three-year, $51 million contract extension. Here's the link in the live chat for you all there. So Grady Jarrett getting up there in age a little bit, but he is staying in Atlanta. And you can see here a three-year extension worth $51 million, $34.5 million guaranteed uh, per Ian Rappaport. And so he it, – it fits – it says it fits the currently cap-strapped Falcons financial situation by lowering his cap number for 22 while we're rewarding him accordingly. So um, take that for what you will, but a big contract for a very, very good interior defensive lineman. Three years, 51 million, and 34.5 of it guaranteed. This is just kind of one of those interesting conversation pieces here. And as you look at, this is the NFL.com power rankings, post-draft power rankings. And that there for folks to check out. Here it is. Buffalo Bills are still number one. Uh, they got a, a target. By the way, when I spoke with Joel Klatt, he had the Bengals all over Kyir Elam. Obviously, the Bills traded up in front of the Bengals and other teams to get him. There was a video also out there on Twitter. I urge you to go check that out with him interviewing with the Bills. Very impressive young man in, in the setting in which he was interviewing with the team. The Rams at number two. Bucks at number three. They moved up one with the Bengals moving down one. I don't really understand why. I think it was more of what the Bucks did, not what the Bengals did. It's just, I, I don't know. Uh, but, you know, they talked. Here it is what they say about the Bengals. Last year, the Bengals rolled the dice on passing on offensive line help. Number five overall in favor of Jamar Chase, who made Duke Tobin and company look smart with a brilliant rookie season since he used free agency to address aggressively its suspect offensive line then used the draft to improve the back end of its defense with the selections of defensive backs, Daxton Hill and Cam Taylor Britt. Bengals are running their team with sound and direct logic. They identify and attack deficiencies in an efficient manner. Um, the 22 draft was the latest example. So giving them some praise, the Bengals are ranked fourth in the NFL.com post-draft power rankings. And then a couple of things to close up shop here. One, I'm a little hesitant to bring up, but I will still do it. This is a this is kind of a, a fun one in terms of conversation pieces. This is not the one I was hesitant to bring up, but this is nine moves that should be made after the 22 NFL draft. You're talking about Baker Mayfield to the Lions, Debo Samuel to the Ravens. Oh boy, that wouldn't be fun. So you can see here Jimmy Garoppolo to the Panthers and some reasoning for that on CBS.com. Some fun talking points from Cody Benjamin on stbssports.com slash NFL. I will pin that in the live chats for folks here going forward. And um, we'll leave you with that one. And then I won't play the video. I will show you the tweet and you can go listen to the video if you would like. This one kind of made me... Uh, 
I don't know. It made me sad for the player a little bit. And you can see when you do listen to the video, when you do hear Ryan Tannehill talk about this, um, you can see how this loss against the Bengals really stuck with him throughout the offseason, really got to him, ate at him, and uh, affected, uh, sounds like affected his psyche a bit. Um, you know, talking about therapy sessions and all kinds of different stuff that he required to get past this process. He kept using the phrase about scar. It's a scar I'll carry with me and all of this kind of stuff. So uh, kind of heavy stuff a little bit from Ryan Tannehill, but you know, again, Bengals show and talking about a, a big Bengals win and the aftermath of it, Ryan Tannehill had a hard time getting over that loss. It sounded like so. Um, and here's the tweet from Ari Myrov at my sports update. Ryan Tannehill opened up about the quote dark place he was in after the playoff loss to the Bengals says he had many sleepless nights in therapy sessions. One of the quotes was every time I closed my eyes, I was rewatching the game in my head. It's a scar I'll carry with me the rest of my life. So kind of kind of some uh dark thoughts. I, I I it sounds like he got he was able to get past that through a lot of different means and whatever and obviously um if he needed help, he I hope he sought it the way he needs to and if, same I can relay that same message to all of our listeners as well. If you need help on any any of that kind of stuff, definitely reach out, talk about it, find and seek the help that you need on any kind of front like that. But you can see here, even though a lot of these guys make a lot of money and seem that they have it all, you know, these games and and bad situations. And unfortunately, the toxicity that can come from social media gets to a lot of these guys. And that seems to be the case, unfortunately, with Ryan Tannehill. I'm sorry to see it. Makes me sad um, to, to see that he got in a quote, dark place. I don't like to hear that. But uh, I was hesitant to share that, but um, it sounds like he was able to kind of traverse that situation um, and, and see what happens there. Now, another interesting quote that he came up with uh, as well, I believe it was today, was the fact that his job, he says he feels his job is not to mentor Malik Willis, the new quarterback that Tennessee drafted this past weekend. If he learned something from me, great, but I don't believe that that's part of my job. That, did, that wasn't taken overly well. That portion of the quote was not taken overly well. So, I, I you know, obviously I think Tannehill is a, a little bit sensitive in terms of a lot of different things with, hey, this is my job. I want to hang on to it type of thing. And, um, you know, the, the the kid who was supposed to be a first-round pick and Malik Willis um, coming in here and potentially taking his job, he's he wants to hang on to it. So, um, you know, I can, I can see where he's coming from a little bit on that front, but I don't think – I think a lot of folks, when you're looking at the veteran quarterback situation and you're talking about a rookie coming in, even if it is someone who is threatening your starting position, you do. Um, it's kind of an unspoken thing that you are going to do at least some form of intentional mentoring. Um, but I guess Tannehill doesn't feel that that's his place. I don't know. Regardless, that's some stuff that came out about the Titans and Ryan Tannehill. Glad to hear that he has passed some of the dark places that uh, apparently we're, we're getting to him after the loss to the Bengals in the playoffs. But um, here we go now. Uh, some other quotes that come up about the new backup quarterback behind him. Interesting stuff. Anyway, thanks everybody for tuning in. And I do see a couple of different things here. Uh, I see here my guy, uh, Antoine. Uh, what's going on, man? It was good hanging out with you in Vegas. Sorry, it was a little spotty. I was kind of all over the map, but yes, had a good time hanging out with you. Had a good time hanging out with Bengal Jim. Had a good time hanging out with Tony the Tiger. Good seeing him and all of the crew there. 
a lot of you uh, out there, Brandon and others, uh, so so many to mention. Great to hang out with you. Thanks for showing us a good time. Uh, Dan asked out some stuff going on with um, Jackson Carmen. Not much stuff going on. Not many updates. The Bengals are kind of keeping mum a little bit after that scathing report. Very scary report that came out about Jackson Carmen right before the draft there. So uh, I think that's uh, unfortunately for all of us, a wait and see game. And so uh, no, no updates that I have heard yet on that from any kind of perspective. So we'll, we'll have to kind of wait and see a little bit on that, but thank you everybody for tuning in to this one. It's been a comprehensive one as uh, someone, someone wrote, yeah, I'm, I'm already losing my voice a little bit there, but at any rate, Thank you, everyone, for tuning in. Hopefully you enjoyed a lot of the Super Bowl coverage that we brought you on this podcast, our YouTube channel, et cetera, and, of course, all of the coverage that we had for you on CincyJungle.com. We tried to get you all kinds of news, opinions, analysis, breaking with the picks, and all kinds of different stuff. We appreciate the support. Again, go subscribe to the Cincy Jungle podcast channel through your favorite audio streamer. Subscribe to this show on YouTube right there. There's a little icon down there. Click that to subscribe and hit the bell to notify you when we go live, all kinds of different stuff. And of course, you can hit the thumbs up on the Cincy Jungle Facebook page to get all the stuff. Thank you, everybody. Appreciate it. We'll be back tomorrow, John Sheeran and myself, with all kinds of the deep dive stuff about the draft picks and all kinds of different things. We're going to come at you with some fun stuff. We'll see you then. We've got listener questions Friday as well, so we've got that for you. Trying to get you stuff all, all throughout the week. We're trying to get you stuff, so hopefully you enjoy it. Take care, and we'll talk to you soon.